What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Guess what, Mango? What's that, Will? Well, I know you like to turn to me to keep up with, like, the coolest things going on in the world (laughs) or, like, trends (laughs) happening. So I wanted to let you in on a little secret. Have you heard about the coolest way to use an avocado right now? So I'm not really up on super hip avocado trends. Like I I saw a restaurant ridiculed online for serving this deconstructed avocado toast, which was uh, (laughs) just half an avocado on one side of a plate and then a piece of toast on the other. And they didn't even do the work of smashing them together. It was just like overpriced laziness. But uh, (laughs) I don't know. what, what, What trend are you talking about? It's actually not a dish. So the coolest thing you can do right now with an avocado is to propose with one. And I'm I'm not kidding about this. So The Knot, Cosmo, and all these other places have declared that the avocado proposal, it's here, Mango. It's here. (laughs) So I'm excited, but I don't know what it is. Tell me. All right. So basically, people are slicing an avocado in half, taking out the pit, and then sticking a little ring in so it stands up right there. Actually, this is kind of (laughs) grossing me out, but I'm trying to go with it. And so then the moment is right, and you just queue up Coldplay, you get down on one knee, you take that avocado out of your back pocket. I don't know why they're suggesting to keep it in your back pocket. (laughs) And then you crack it open like a ring box. And as The Knot puts it, quote, if you love the farmer's market, this might be your dream proposal. (laughs) I like that it's the official proposal of like farmer's markets. Yeah, I've always looked for one of these. Well, today's show is all about the creamy green fruit. From why you should thank a mailman for your guacamole obsession to when avocado theft became so trendy. So we're about to get knee-high in avocados. Let's dive in.
Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Part-Time Genius. I'm Will Pearson, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Mangesh Hatikader. And on the other side of the soundproof glass, demonstrating the absolute worst way to peel an avocado. I honestly, I can't even look at this I know. I, I don't think you're supposed to use a vegetable peeler on it, Tristan. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, I'm going to turn my head, but that's our friend and producer, Tristan McNeil. So I realize, you know, Mango, this is a slightly grim way to start the show, but I was reading about this recent wave of avocado-related injuries, or what they call avocado hand, and people are doing serious damage to their hands by trying and, of course, failing to cut into their avocados. So that's pretty crazy. Like, I I hadn't heard about people injuring themselves on avocados, but it does feel like the same as when bagels became really popular in the 90s, and suddenly, like, every local news story was about people cutting themselves with bagels and how to appropriately slice a bagel. It doesn't seem that difficult. But, uh, I mean, I I guess you don't get avocados pre-sliced. What's the solution? Well, it's actually become a big enough problem that there's this British plastic surgeon, and he's been pushing for warning labels to be added to avocados in the UK. Really? (laughs) And apparently, yeah, seriously, apparently he treats an average of four patients a week, four patients a week for avocado-based injuries. (laughs) So, I mean, it may seem weird to put a sticker, and it may actually sound silly, but you can't really blame him for wanting to do something about this epidemic of avocado fails. That's so weird. Like, uh, I mean, I feel like you can cut an avocado with a butter knife. You don't need something super sharp to do it. (laughs) Well, while prepping for today's show, one of my biggest takeaways was that most Americans have always been pretty clueless when it comes to these leathery fruits. And um, this confusion actually goes all the way back to the early 20th century. That's when avocado production was first taking root in the U.S. But before we get into the stateside history, I do want to go back a little further in time because Humans have actually been cultivating avocado trees for thousands of years now. It goes as far back as 500 BC, and this was mostly taking place in Central and South America, as well as Mexico, where the Aztecs were calling the fruit a word that they used for testicle. And so that was based on what, like the fruit shape? Yeah, but but also because avocados typically grow in pairs, which I guess furthered the resemblance. But Oh, uh, I get it. I get it, Mango. <laughs> yeah, it's a great joke that kills at recess. But uh, they also used to be considered something of an aphrodisiac, but that might have just been Europeans reading too much into the word's origin. Like, apparently King Louis XIV nicknamed avocados the good pear in French. Uh, you know, pear the fruit, not pear, P-A-I-R. But he called it that because he claimed avocados got him in the mood and boosted his desire to mate. Well, Louis definitely wasn't the last person to compare avocados to the shape of a pear because when avocados first started to catch on in the U.S., people were actually calling them alligator pears. And it makes sense. I mean, obviously that tough outer skin, it has that bumpy texture and green coloring. I mean, it does kind of look like an alligator, but Mm -hmm. it didn't really make for the most appetizing association, as you can imagine. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess like biting into an alligator seems like a tough sell. Yeah, and that's exactly what the California Avocado Growers Exchange found when they were trying to expand their business just beyond that home state. And they claimed that grim association with, you know, with reptiles was kind of ruining the whole operation. Huh. And even worse, it was, you know, of course, besmirching the good name of the laurel tree family to which these <laughs> avocados belong. And, and this is serious because in 1927, the trade group released this statement, and here's what it says – That the avocado, an exalted member of the Laurel family, should be called an alligator pear is beyond all understanding. (laughs) I love that they thought this would be the thing to change people's minds. Like, I know how we'll get people on board. Let's appeal to everyone's love for laurel trees. (laughs) Yeah, that's all it took. Well, I mean, it was maybe kind of a strange play, but they did get smarter about the rebranding. 
The growers slowly weaned the public off of alligator pear as a nickname, and they first replaced it with a much more appetizing butter pear, and then the somewhat redundant avocado pear, before they finally just got people to start calling them avocados. But even once customers started calling them by the right name, avocados still faced a pretty uphill battle. So why is that? Well, for one thing, if you think about it, they're they're unlike any other fruits that people were eating because they're not sweet. They're not really good for cooking. They ripened off the tree. I mean, people didn't really know what to do with them. Yeah, it's funny to think that Mexican culture and cuisine just took to it so quickly. But just one country north, we were so perplexed by this fruit. Like, it took so much rebranding and marketing for us to catch on. I mean, the process took most of the 20th century to get us on board. Yeah, that's true. But it actually is kind of fun to look back and see how avocados kind of gradually took on the characteristics that we most associate with them today. For example, the need to grow avocados only in the mildest parts of the country, you know, where you'd find the water and short supply, that really meant avocados often cost more than other domestic fruits. And of course, marketers were aware of how expensive their product was becoming. And that's really why they started pushing for avocados to be paired with other upscale foods like grapefruit or lobster. And in fact, in the late 1920s, and I've not seen this before doing our research for this week, but the California Avocado Society started taking out ads in Vogue and The New Yorker. And they were proclaiming the avocados to be the, quote, aristocrat of salad fruits. <laughs> I like that avocados need to come in top hats and monocles just to like yeah, get us to appreciate definitely. them. But, you know, to me, that's less appetizing than just calling them alligator pears. Yeah, but the fruit's fancy status kind of stuck. And by the 1970s, avocados had developed this reputation as really more of a luxury item. Huh. For example, in 1974, the price of a single avocado had soared as high as a full dollar. Now, now keep in mind, that's the equivalent of almost $5 in today's money. That is crazy. So what about avocado's other big claim, like the idea that they're one of the world's healthiest superfoods? When did that really come about? Well, it really took off in the 1980s. And as you might remember, this is when nutrition experts really started to crack down on America's fat consumption. So low-fat foods started appearing on store shelves and Every celebrity you could think of was pushing some sort of patented diet or crazy new piece of exercise equipment. And, you know, as people began looking for more and more ways to reduce their fat intake, avocados became a pretty popular target. But wait, aren't avocados full of like the good kind of fat, the kind that actually helps us reduce cholesterol? Like, why would experts tell people not to eat them? Well, at the time, nutritionists were worried that the American public wouldn't be able to wrap their heads around that distinction between the types of fats, you know, between the good monounsaturated fats and and the bad saturated fats. So instead, they just told people to avoid fats altogether. And that's why, strangely enough, it actually fell to the avocado growers to educate the public about the fruit's true nutritional value. So in the late 80s, the California Avocado Commission, they worked closely with researchers and funded all sorts of studies on, you know, on the health benefits of their product. And then the growers spread the good news with a TV ad campaign, and it starred Angie Dickinson. And the ads were a huge hit, but they were also pretty scandalous for the time. So, so here's what the ad was. It showed Angie stretched out in these gold stilettos and a white leotard, and she was eating half an avocado with a spoon. Sure. And after she lays out how tasty and nutritious the avocados are, she turns to the camera and asks, would this body lie to you? I, I, actually, I had forgotten where I got that line from. I know I used that line a lot, and I, I didn't remember that Angie had created that. I mean, I, I guess the nutrition experts were wrong to doubt the American public. Like, we can absolutely understand the health benefits of avocados as long as they're explained to us by a beautiful movie star. 
Right. Though I, I, I do feel like uh, Kanye, as I'm about to say this, because Angie Dickinson, you did a good job, and I'm going to let you finish, but Mr. <laughs> Ripe Guy is the best spokesperson in the avocado industry. I can't say I'm familiar with his work, so who is Mr. Ripe Guy? <laughs> I can't believe you're asking me that. No, I mean, <laughs> this goes back to the avocado struggle. So after surviving the anti-fat movement of the 80s, sales were still suffering due to the public's lack of knowledge about the fruit. So one prime example is that people weren't even sure when to eat avocados. People kept trying to eat them when they were, like, bright green because that's when they looked the prettiest instead of waiting until the fruit had turned, like, a murky brown color. And that's actually when it's most delicious or the ripest to eat. But uh, to combat the problem, the Avocado Commission partnered with an ad agency and created their very own mascot, Mr. Ripe Guy. And uh, (laughs) in true 80s fashion, this California character was basically just an anthropomorphic avocado with a pair of sunglasses on Wait, you know what this reminds me of? And I collected all of these from, I can't remember whether it was McDonald's or Hardee's or what it was, (laughs) but the, uh, you remember the California raisins? Definitely. So uh, it definitely feels like a California raisin ripoff, but uh, someone would show up in an avocado suit at various events. And uh, this was around the country. They'd share tips as Mr. Ripe Guy on how to pick and prep avocados and just generally sing the fruit's praises. But The best part of the campaign was in 1995 when the commission launched a nationwide search to find Miss Ripe. And uh, (laughs) women were encouraged to mail in video cassettes of themselves explaining why they deserved this coveted honor. And uh, apparently the winner would receive a free trip to Hollywood and a walk-on role on Baywatch Nights. I like how it didn't even occur to them that maybe they should win a lifetime supply of avocados. <laughs> or I feel like maybe they didn't think through this campaign fully. Yeah, I mean, maybe they would have gotten more people to enter. But in the end, at least one woman was interested in what was on offer. The lucky winner was Robin Nardone of Chicago, who I'm sure you remember. And she told reporters, getting to be Miss Ripe is like a dream come true. I will bear the title proudly. Mm, that's really sweet. And of course, everybody still talks about that episode of Baywatch Nights that she was on, right? <laughs> Definitely. Well, I'm curious, though, did these kinds of stunts pay off for avocado growers? Well, it's hard to say exactly how much of the industry's growth is due to Mr. and Mrs. Ripe Guy, but uh, there's no doubt that the avocado consumption has gone way, way up since the 90s. For example, by uh, 1999, the average American was eating about 1.5 pounds of avocado per year. Whereas in 2016, that number had actually grown to 7.1 pounds per year, according to oh, the wow. USDA. Yeah, and, and to put that in perspective, the Haas Avocado Board uh, reported that 484 million avocados were consumed in 2000, which sounds like a lot, right? But you fast forward to 2012, and the total had risen to nearly 1.5 billion, which is basically a 300% increase over just a decade. Hmm. I mean, that is pretty amazing. It's also pretty amazing that it's taken us this long to finally mention the H word. So I do want to shift gears and talk about what is undoubtedly the biggest name in the business, and that's the Haas Avocado. Now, I, I know we need to explore how the variety came to dominate the market as well as what that monopoly might be causing us to miss out on. Which sounds good, but before we get into it, let's take a quick break. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. 
Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Part-Time Genius, and we're talking all things avocado. Okay, Mango, so we've been charting the course of how a misunderstood fruit like the avocado wound up as one of the world's trendiest superfoods. And so now we're getting to what's probably my favorite part of the story, which is the contribution of a Californian mailman named Rudolph Hass. And while his story isn't widely known, I'm willing to bet that the name sounds familiar to most of our listeners, and for very good reason. Mm-hmm. Because Hass avocados are hands down the most popular avocado, not only in the country, but in the entire world. In fact, there's a good chance that most people have only ever eaten the Hass avocado. And that's because 95% of the avocados sold in the U.S. and about 80% worldwide are Hass avocados. I'm honestly not sure I could even name a different kind of avocado. 
Well, here's what's crazy, though, is that there's actually more than 900 varieties of avocados. Wow. And, you know, some of these things have very different shapes and textures and flavors than that single type that we're used to. But thankfully, the one type we do have is a pretty good one. Pass avocados have a strong flavor. They're packed with healthy oil. So it's not like we're getting the short end of the stick on this. And and there's a reason Hass is the most popular name in avocados, even if that popularity does result in, in a real lack of diversity on the store shelves. So speaking of the name, this is sort of embarrassing, but I used to think that Hass was just the name of the family farm or like the company that grew them, you know, like Dole or Chiquita. But uh, I didn't know it was actually a fruit variety. Yeah, and I don't think most people do know that. But so so to get back to that, let's get back to Rudolf Hass. And he was a postman by trade in the 1920s and then got into horticulture after he saw this magazine ad that showed an avocado tree with dollar bills growing out of it. I mean, that sounds <laughs> pretty convincing. So he was hoping to make some money on the side and started buying up seeds and raising these resulting trees at his family home. And this was just outside of L.A., so he used grafts from the larger plants to multiply that crop. But there was one seedling in particular. Z described it, a stubborn baby tree grown from a Guatemalan seed of unknown parentage, or that's how one local newspaper put it, that it wouldn't accept a graft, no matter how hard Hass tried. He considered cutting it down, but instead he just set it aside and let it grow unattended as, as somewhat of an experiment. And this turned out to be the best decision of Hass's life. Because when the tree finally bore fruit, its avocados tasted better than any other of the varieties available. Well, I mean, first of all, I, I just love that the world's most popular avocado is the result of, like, dumb luck. But also, yeah, I, I, I'm really curious about these other varieties that predate the Hass. Like, what were the go-to avocados of the time, and what made the Hass one so much better? Well, at the time, the prevailing avocado was called the Fuerte, which means strong in Spanish. And admittedly, the Fuerte looks more appetizing than the Hass. You know, you don't have that bumpy, thick black skin of the Hass. The, the Fuerte avocado has more of a smooth and, and kind of a thin skin, and it actually turns a green color as it ripens. But, you know, when you think about taste, Hass avocados are way richer and nuttier and creamier than the Fuertes. And so this gave them a big advantage in Rudolf Hass's mind. But of course, taste wasn't the only thing they had going for them. Another big advantage is that the Hass avocado trees were easier to grow than the Fuerte trees. They also have longer harvest seasons than other avocados, and they can produce larger quantities of fruit after just a couple of years. But there's one thing that's maybe even more important than all of those things, and that's that these avocados are easy to handle and, and even ship long distances. And, and that's thanks to that alligator thick skin that we were talking about before. So when Rudolf Hass realized that he'd stumbled upon something special, he patented his tree in 1935 and started working with a local grower to promote this new variety. You know, it's funny when you're talking about the packability of these uh, avocados, you think about other fruit like the Red Delicious or the Cavendish Bananas, and they are always sacrificing flavor for that durability. And mm -hmm. it's amazing to think that the avocado doesn't do that. But uh, yeah, I don't think I realized you could actually patent a tree. Well, I didn't either, and apparently neither did anybody else because, you know, sadly, the patent was all but ignored by its competitors. In fact, this is how Rudolph's granddaughter, Cindy Miller, explained the ordeal in an article about her family story. She writes, since it was the first patent ever issued on a tree, it got no respect. Growers would buy one from Mr. Brokaw, who had the exclusive right to produce the nursery trees. They would then regraft their whole grove with the budwood from that one tree. 
For that reason, Rudolf Haas made only $5,000 in royalties on his first patent. That's pretty insane. Like five grand for coming up with the world's tastiest avocado. It's crazy. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird story, but there is a silver lining for that name. So the avocados that bear his name have become ubiquitous with the fruit. And today, millions of his trees can now be found all over the globe. And maybe the craziest part about this whole thing is that all of those trees are genetically descended from that single mother tree that has planted on his property. And that was nearly 100 years ago. In fact, it's estimated that about 80% of all U.S. avocados are descendants of the Hass avocado mother tree. I mean, that's just so weird to think about. And the original tree actually lasted quite a while, too. It was on that Hass property until it finally lost the battle with something called root rot disease, and that was back in 2002. But according to Alice Obscura, you can still make a pilgrimage to see the preserved woods from the tree at the Brokaw Nursery in Ventura. And there's even a plaque there to mark its original location in La Habra. Hmm. Which uh, I, I think that takes care of my summer vacation plans uh, for this oh, good. year. <laughs> good. But, you know, uh, Hass having his patent undermined like that kind of reminds me of something weird I noticed while researching. And that's the sheer volume of crime that the fruit attracts. Like, I wouldn't think this before, but... You know, you mentioned earlier that avocados were worth the equivalent of, what, like $5 each in the 1970s? And at the time, that high value sparked a wave of avocado thefts throughout the orchards of Southern California. And this was hardly an isolated incident. So just last year, three men were arrested in California for selling over $300,000 worth of stolen Hass avocados. I mean, that's insane. And when uh, avocado prices spiked in New Zealand back in 2016, farmers were hit with over 40 large-scale thefts within a six-month period. Wow. I mean, I had no idea that avocado crime was so prevalent. But if you think about it, I mean, it does make sense. I remember back in our episode on cheese, we talked about how cheese is the most shoplifted item in the world. And that's because it's relatively a small item. It's always in demand. And and it does tend to cost more than other food. So it, it feels like we've got the same thing going here with the avocados. Exactly. And, and we already mentioned how avocados have long been viewed as a luxury food due to their price. So in a way, all the crime surrounding them is to be expected. But one thing nobody expected was the way that avocado farmers in Mexico have been fighting back against their own local form of avocado crimes Because there's actually one town there that has its own paramilitary avocado protection force. Wait, so where is this? (laughs) It's in a town called Tansitaro, and it's in the Michoacan region of Mexico. It's it's basically avocado country. The town ships over a million dollars worth of fruit every single day. But back in 2006, drug cartels who were feeling the pinch of a law enforcement crackdown started turning their attention to Tonsataro's avocado producers. So, of course, things get insane, right? Like the growers quickly become the target of threats. There are kidnappings, even some murders. There was a talk of the cartel seizing control of the orchards entirely. And that's when the avocado producers decided to band together and fight back. They created their own local protection force, which was half-funded by the government. And today they wear uh, body armor. They carry these high-powered weapons to ward off the cartels. And also it gives the citizens a sense of safety. I mean, this sounds scary to me and kind of extreme, but actually it's worked. So um, avocado crimes are way down in Tansatora, which uh, has allowed the town to once again focus on what it does best, which is avocados. And in (laughs) 2013, we saw this when a group of 450 students in the town set a record for the world's largest serving of guacamole. It weighed an astounding 6,000 pounds. Oh, wow. I mean, I guess it makes sense that they had those guards on hand because 
you think about it, that much guacamole is definitely going to attract at least a few thieves, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, but now that we've tackled the seedy world of avocado crimes, there's at least one part of avocado history that I want to get to. But first, let's take another quick break. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Mango, so I told you my favorite story. Now it's your turn. What's your favorite story from the avocado history? 
So at the top of the show, we talked about the recent uptick in accidents where people have stabbed themselves while prepping avocados. And while there's definitely some user error at play there, the real problem is that the avocado has this enormous pit. And while most fruits contain seeds small enough to be swallowed or excreted by humans and other animals, avocado pits can be as big as golf balls, which means that swallowing them is off the table for most of us. Mm-hmm. I've always actually wondered about that because from an evolutionary perspective, it doesn't seem like the most effective way for this plant to spread its seeds around. Well, it isn't anymore, but it used to be incredibly effective. So the part of avocado history that I love the most is the part that explains why the pit is so huge. And for that, we actually need to travel all the way back to the dawn of the Cenozoic era, which is the period after the extinction of dinosaurs when mammals first started to take the stage. But the mammals of the Cenozoic era weren't just any mammals. They were actually enormous species known as megafauna, and they roamed the Western Hemisphere in droves. All right, so you're talking about things like, you know, like saber-toothed tigers and mammoths and those rhinos that were, honestly, I think they were like the size of houseboats, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, that's right. So another dominant megafauna species was the Lestodon, which uh, were these 15-foot-tall, two-ton ground slots. And they wandered the grassy plains of the Americas. And just like the sloths of today, lestodons mostly ate leaves and grass to survive. But occasionally they would chow down on more satisfying treats like the tasty avocado. Huh. So the avocado, it's also a product of the Cenozoic era. It is. And actually, that's really when the avocado plant came to its prime. So these giant sloths would swallow whole avocados. And because these creatures were so massive, their digestive systems were able to process the big seeds without a problem. So... They'd kind of feast and then travel around with the seeds in their stomachs, and then they'd plop them out in some faraway place, and new trees could thrive without competition. It was basically an evolutionary win-win for everybody, and that's probably why we still have these large-pitted avocados today. Wait, are are there still mammals that can eat the avocado pits like that? I mean, you know, megafauna are one thing, but I feel like most sloths would choke if they tried to eat a whole avocado at this point. Yeah, you're right. I mean, climate change kind of wiped out most of the megafauna in the Western Hemisphere. This was about 13,000 years ago. So according to researchers, North America lost about 70% of its megafauna at the time, and South America lost 80%. So the vast majority of these large creatures that had helped these avocado trees flourish in the first place were no longer around to feed on them. So I don't get it. I mean, why would wild avocados still produce such large pits if if it's not beneficial for them? No, it's a good question. And I was actually flipping through this uh, book by Connie Barlow called The Ghosts of Evolution. And she says that avocados, giant seeds, are what we call an evolutionary anachronism. So none of today's slots could possibly digest a seed that large, but the big pits persist anyway. And as Barlow puts it, quote, after 13,000 years, the avocado is clueless that the great mammals are gone. And the truth is, thanks to us, that's completely fine, right? Like, the avocado doesn't need to change because it's got new champions. We've learned to deal with the big seeds and spread them out in ways that don't involve our digestive tracts. Well, I guess that makes sense. And But, but what about those 13,000 years between the death of the megafauna and you know, human cultivation of these avocados? It, it feels like in all those intervening years, the big seeds, they still somehow manage to get spread around even without those giant mammals. Yeah, so one theory is that squirrels and other rodents could have uh, found avocados rotting uneaten on the surface and then buried the pits for safekeeping. And then they'd return later and find that there were these massive trees that had sprouted in the place. But I also read an article in Smithsonian, and it suggested that jaguars might have been able to swallow and digest the seeds too. So uh, as they put it, quote, the identities of the avocado's dispersers shifted every few million years. But from an avocado's perspective, 
A big mouth is a big mouth, and a friendly gut is a friendly gut. I feel like those are words to live by, Mango, or at least for an avocado. Really, though, it's wild to think that we have these giant sloths to thank for all of our avocado toast and orders of chips and guacamole. And, you know, while they aren't swallowing avocados whole like our megafauna buddies once did, you know, humans have planted them all over the world. So all in all, I feel like we've been pretty good stewards for the avocado. Well, unlikely is right, because not only is the avocado pit way too large for humans to swallow or digest— it can also be toxic to us. So animals like rhinos, which are descended from those houseboat-sized ancestors you mentioned, they can actually stomach the toxic pits just fine. But humans and most other mammals lack enzyme systems and livers strong enough to ward off that kind of toxicity. And in fact, there's this old South American recipe for rat poison that I just found that uh, instructs the users to mix some avocado pits with traditional rodent bait, like cheese or lard, and that'll take care of the problem. Hmm. I do like that a little toxic pit isn't going to stop us from eating nearly 2 billion pounds of avocados each year. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, how's, I don't want to look, but how's Tristan doing over there? We're going to need to take another trip to the ER. No, but those avocados really aren't peeled. So uh, why don't we do a quick fact off and then we can help the poor guy out. So most people have heard that a good way to ripen avocados fast is to put them in a paper bag with like bananas or a ripe apple. But if you're looking for more avocado gear and accessories, you can always purchase an avocado sock. It's a 100% wool bag that supposedly ripens the fruit within 24 hours. And according to the website, it ripens it more gently than a paper bag. Also, it works as a convenient uh, carrying sock for when you want to sling an avocado over your shoulder and just transport the fruit in style. Hmm. Well, let me know how it goes if you order (laughs) one of those. I I think I'll wait on your experience first. All right, so here's a trend I definitely won't be indulging in, and that's the avo latte. Now, this is an Australian specialty where you serve a latte in the hollowed-out husk of half an avocado. And while it started out as an Instagram joke at the Truman Cafe in Melbourne, when an employee mixed coffee and milk in an avocado shell— Apparently, customers have started pouring in for the drink and other cafes have started serving it in response. Well, if you love avocados but hate the pits, Marks & Spencer is apparently selling a cocktail avocado. So this is according to The Telegraph, but the fruit looks less like a traditional alligator pear, you know, the kind we all know and love, and more like a zucchini. But the big advantage, of course, is that they don't have a seed in them. And while the fruit is grown in Spain, they're apparently really hard to find. Marks & Spencer only carries them in December for some reason, but uh, maybe we'll be getting them stateside soon. All right. So we were talking about avocados being a member of the prestigious Laurel family previously, (laughs) and I was a little curious what that meant. So I looked it up. And in addition to the Laurel wreaths that you might get for competing in the ancient Greek games, the avocado has some pretty well-known relatives in the Laurel family. The fruit is cousins with bay leaves, sassafras, and cinnamon. Oh, it's a good family to be a part of. So one of the strangest facts about avocados is that they never ripen on the tree. So basically farmers can plan when they want to pluck them and just store them up there fresh for six or seven months. All right, well, here's an avocado variation that no one needs, and it's avocado light. It's a diet avocado that apparently (laughs) contains 30% less fat than your average avocado. Apparently it's a milder taste, but it's a juicier avocado. I've got to say, an avocado with fewer calories that tastes more watery just, it doesn't appeal to me. (laughs) But if they can make an avocado zero, uh, maybe I'll consider it. (laughs) Well, I I think between a diet avocado and proposing with avocados, you truly have your pulse on the worst things to do with an avocado. So I'm going to have to give the trophy to you. 
Well, thank you very much. And thank you guys for listening. I'm sure we've forgotten some great facts about avocados. We've been looking forward to doing this episode because of the national obsession with avocados these days. So we'd love to hear from you. You can always email us part-time genius at howstuffworks.com. You can call our 24-7 fact hotline. That's 1-844-PT-GENIUS or hit us up on Facebook or Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks again for listening. Part-Time Genius is a production of How Stuff Works and wouldn't be possible without several brilliant people who do the important things we couldn't even begin to understand. Tristan McNeil does the editing thing. Noel Brown made the theme song and does the mixy-mixy sound thing. <laughs> Gary Rowland does the exec producer thing. Gabe Luzier is our lead researcher with support from the research army, including Austin Thompson, Nolan Brown, and Lucas Adams. And Eves Jeffcoat gets the show to your ears. Good job, Eves. If you like what you heard, we hope you'll subscribe. And if you really, really like what you've heard, maybe you could leave a good review for us. Did we, did we forget Jason? Jason who? This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday.